Blimey. This is one out of a jam jar, you got here. The House of Mystery contains demons, angels, elementals, magicians, wizards, apparitions, adult language, and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not enter the House of Mystery. All right, then. All right. Hello. Welcome, everyone, to the House of Mystery, the John Constantine and Friends podcast, where we deliver to you and your ear holes all the latest, greatest John Constantine and related news, as well as reviews, breakdowns, you name it, we do it, as long as it's connected to John Constantine in some way or the Justice League Dark, right? Oh, absolutely. All right, so if you are new to this show, you can find us on iTunes and pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts, but our preferred medium is iTunes. Please give us a five-star rating and review. All right, Dave, so you and I are here today. Hello, how are you? How's it going? The basement is now completely clean, sire. Okay. The panties are put away and uh, put in the appropriate places, correct? Well... Depends on what you mean by appropriate places. Um, okay. <laughs> Are you panty stuffing again? Well, you know. No, don't even. Don't <laughs> even. Please. I should have not set you up on that one. All right. So, Dave, we have a title to get into today and break down. It is Truth and Justice, chapters 19 through 21. The synopsis, Zatanna finds herself trapped in a dream world, how did she get there and how could she possibly get out without her magical powers? That sounds like a synopsis for your dream come true. I, I know. <laughs> Listen, you are trapped here, Zatanna. You will not leave. <laughs> you cannot leave me. You will never leave. <laughs> please make some room in the basement, Dave. Please. please. <laughs> I heard that's how you can make women fall in love with you by uh, capturing them in your dreams. Yeah, yeah. There was a Netflix show that did that where they locked somebody up in a basement and then the the lady fell in love with her captor. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that now. Yes. Yeah. I, I That's uh, based on real stories, right? Real. Because if it is, then that's definitely what I'm going to do. 2021 approved. Okay, cool. Please do not call the police on me. <laughs> I am just joking. All right, Dave. So this, or I should say these issues written by Freddy Chibber with art by Lalit Kumar Shamar. With cover art by Jay and Saleto and Hi-Fi. All right, so in this episode, we are returning to the pages of DC's Digital First. We had last covered the John Constantine and Papa Midnight storyline. It was surprisingly really good. It was simple, but very fun. Uh, the writer of those issues uh, was able to take a relatively simple concept and actually make it work as a John Constantine story. And you and I were both a little iffy going into that because the digital first are kind of hit or miss. Yeah. They're either fairly good or fairly shitty. Fairly, fairly bad. Yeah. And we got lucky with that John Constantine story because it was actually good and relatively simple and yet it goes to show you that simplicity does not always mean bad writing sometimes if you are a or i should say an adequate writer or a capable writer sometimes you realize okay well let me not overly complicate this storyline because this specific medium the digital first is more designed for simplicity and the writer for that 
wrote accordingly. Yeah. And the, 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 the trick to these truth and justice is to honestly dive into the, the, the bigger universe of the DC universe and be able to introduce people to characters they may not be used to. Yeah. That's why the John Constantine thing worked because suddenly we got introduced or reintroduced to Papa Midnight. Mm-hmm. And it, it worked because we got to see Constantine also dealing with another, uh, a different relationship than say like in a story with the swamp thing. Right. So like one of the key elements that I always approached with the truth and justice series was, okay, what, are you going to bring to the table? I mean, you just can't bring Zatanna and just say, that's all my story right there. Right, here, here we go. That's it. <laughs> we, but we also had that theme, truth and justice that worked really well with the John Constantine story, because that's the entire point of the digital first, these titles, obviously there's a, a money making uh, promotional platform agenda as well. I mean, the digital first were designed to highlight was it up and coming talent talent? Yeah. Yeah. Writers and artists. Uh, and also highlight possibly some characters that don't always get into the limelight when it comes to the world of comics, especially when you have 50,000 Batman titles, how do you make room for any other characters? <laughs> exactly. So truth and justice was designed to be that. So that being said, when I saw that truth and justice would truth and justice would be utilizing Zatanna. As the lead in a trio of issues, I was understandably excited, right? Oh, yeah. Because, like, I think it it was in one of the last episodes we ever covered for the House of Mystery where we talked how when it comes to the female characters of the DC universe, everyone gravitates to the Batman side of things where it's, you know, Harley Quinn, Catwoman, Poison Ivy. Mm-hmm. In essence, that is the the trinity of the DC universe when it comes to female characters. That's not the obvious, like Wonder Woman. Yeah. Yeah. And like, then you, but people forget about like the other characters like Zatanna who, or, you know, even say like a character like Power Girl, which had her, had her run like probably about like five years ago where there was, they made a major push for that character. Zatanna is one of those ones that me and you have said, why don't they have a ongoing series for Zatanna? She is one of the most powerful magic users in DC universe, especially of how they written her in uh, Justice League Dark. Yeah. She has so much, so much potential with all the relationships, relationships she has with a lot of the characters in the DC universe besides Batman. Well, she is one of those characters that have really, I would call her a crossover character. Yeah. Because she has managed to exist for decades by simply being a part of other people's stories and Mm -hmm. being a big part of other people's stories. And she has skirted the mainstream lines in comics and she has definitely gone into the darker side, uh, less mainstream titles like justice league dark and the darker side of DC. So she's a character that just comes with a lot of mythos Uh, and unfortunately we don't get a lot of her own stories. And that's another reason why I did in fact, jump at this title because we don't get a lot of Zatanna specific titles where it's just her story. So I was excited about truth and justice. Unfortunately, yeah. 
these issues do not live up to the quality or the or even the fun element behind the John Constantine and Papa Midnight story. Yeah, um, unfortunately. Dave, what about you? What What are your initial thoughts on this? My initial thoughts on it, I went into this with just as much expectations as you did where, you know, you're dealing with a character that there is a fan base that's growing for it, that that's just yelling for it. I mean, we have a a supposed movie coming out for her, a standalone movie coming out for Zatanna. And which is the typically, only thing, which, isn't that when we typically get more comic book titles too? Yeah. When a movie is in the pipeline? In the pipeline. Yeah. And like automatically I was like going, well, now we can uh, hopefully in truth and justice, it'll show the potential that Satana has. And initially I have to say that basically what we get here is very rudimentary. I mean, unfortunately, it's a Zatanna story. And at first, I, was, I, I thought this was great at the end. But when you actually think about it, when I stopped and actually, you know, started looking further into the story, mm-hmm. I realized that there wasn't much delving into Zatanna. It wasn't even really a story. It wasn't a story. Yeah. And, and it was like, that's how bad, when you think about it, the starving point of Zatanna in her own comic is, is you have a fan in me willing to basically just take anything you got (laughs) without actually being uh, objective and actually seeing, did they do the best they can with this character? And right away, initially afterwards, I basically said, unfortunately it falls flat. Yeah. It does. Uh, the concept was intriguing. I will say that. Essentially, you have Zatanna trapped in some type of dreamscape. Then through the course of the three issues, Zatanna investigates until she finds out that Dr. Destiny is involved because she's looking for or because he is looking for the Dreamstone. Dreamstone. And, and you know what? Here's the thing. That was one of the highlights that I got really excited because mm-hmm. just like what I said earlier, the point of truth and justice is to really dive into the DC universe and show characters that we have not seen. And Dr. Destiny is one of those villains that I'm like going, I want to see more of because Dr. Destiny is a very powerful villain and he has crossed over. He's one of the few villains that has crossed over from mainstream DC comics into vertigo. Yeah, because he he made an appearance in Sandman and he plays an appearance. He plays a role in that. And for a character like this, this is the type of character DC needs to infuse like this new energy of just characters that I I feel that DC is lacking because they always focus on the the atypical ones. Joker, of course. Yeah, Joker, even Lex Luthor to a degree. Like yeah. they, they stick to the main, main quote unquote bad guys that everyone knows about without diving into really interesting characters. And if you dived into Dr. Destiny's background, it's actually really cool. Yeah. And that's part of the reason why I got exasperated though, because there's no context behind any of the story. Yeah. And they're assuming that people understand what the Dreamstone is. They're assuming people understand the grievances of Dr. Destiny and let's say this was a huge title that came out last year. Then, okay, let's um, let's elude all you want, and we don't need that context. But they're 
they are bridging from a story that's over 20 years old. Yeah. Right? That's Sandman, correct? Exactly. And it just doesn't make any sense. They didn't give us any context, but instead they give us repeated scenes throughout three issues where Zatanna is continually saying, where am I? Where am I? Well, instead of repeating, where am I? Why doesn't the writer at least give us a little context in a panel? Show a panel from Sandman, possibly. Explain Mm -hmm. why Dr. Destiny is after the Dreamstone or (laughs) explain what the Dreamstone is. I mean, you had three issues to do that, but instead we get a repeat of scenarios throughout three issues. Yeah. It just, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I'm, I'm a little confused as to why this was even approved as a story. Well, it seems like, it seems like the writer wanted to tackle something very different. She wanted, they wanted to actually, you know, do something, bring in something that basically the audiences aren't used to. And I, and I applaud them for that. The problem, the problem for me is, is kind of like, if you're going to do that, you have to give us more substance than what they did in this comic. Because imagine, okay, she's stuck in a dream world. So you mean to tell me that you, you, you're dealing with the dream stone, you pull a character from Dr. Destiny who's tied to the Sandman, but Morpheus does not even show up? And like... You have an, this imagine, opportunity. Imagine he's the one who showed up at the end. Exactly. You have this opportunity to connect Zatanna to Sandman. That would be a cool story. And this isn't even fan wants. This isn't us saying this is what you should have given us because I'm against that. You know, yeah. I'm against uh, you know being subjective when you review or discuss things. I think we should be objective and understand what they're giving us. And even though we're using these these elements of potential inclusion it's not about being subjective and what we want as fans it's about being we're actually being objective because we're trying to show that that's what actually makes sense for your story and would have improved the story and would have explained things a lot better because it's just it's it's just a moment is what three issues amounts to yeah that is on repeat well here's the even sadder part too is like when they have the opportunity to dive in further to show that, you know, give writing jobs to the characters, you you give us a character in Dr. Destiny who has this story that basically, and they alluded to it in the, sto- in, in the comic, that basically he's there because he's pissed off that the Justice League have stolen and taken the Dreamstone from him, driving him insane uh-huh. and locking him in an Arkham. And it's glossed over and it's like glossed over Dave. It's not even there. No, no, no. It is mentioned. It is mentioned. Briefly. Oh, the Justice League stole something from me. Exactly. And like, I'm like going, okay, so you don't actually, so you have this moment to actually do a storytelling of a very complex character, but you glossed it over. Yeah. It's, it's very strange. It is. The problem I had I'd say the most with these issues is quite simple. And I'm hoping. Let me backtrack just a bit. You can tell the writer was attempting to craft a story that felt almost psychedelic at times, taking the elements of dreams and the elusivity of dreams, the idea that we can't quite understand where we are in a dream. There are hints and clues as to what could be motivation, such 
a dream could be, but our mind never quite makes that connection. Like we, there are things that you can, that they were trying to do when it comes to dreams, but that's the extent of anything the writer does that makes sense. The biggest problem I had getting back to my point here with these issues the writers seem to lack a general understanding of comic book writing conventions. So it's not even the simplicity of the delivery or executions. It seems like the writer lacked the skill set or knowledge to script a comic. There were numerous perspective switches within the narration, which baffled me. Yeah. There was not because it confused me because I understood what was happening. I, it baffled me because I was surprised that a writer working on DC doesn't understand proper narration. <laughs> yeah. uh, there was a third person, you know, you have that third person omniscient narration, right? Mm-hmm. But then we shifted to the first person narration, which dominated much of the comic, and that's fine. But you can't switch perspective in the middle of a storyline. Unless, of course, you utilize one of a thousand different devices that let you do such a thing and it feels seamless to to switch that narration. But here we get a switch from one page to the next in the same issue. Yes. And and take it further. I mean, not just comic book writing, but just writing in general. You don't do that. No. You cannot change perspective in your writing. Because and, it confuses the reader. And I'm sorry, that is that is a a lesson that uh, you know English 101 students are taught are taught. And you mean to tell me that basically you as a professional writer in DC, handpicked by DC, you're one of our you're you're one of our you know up and coming hot art or hot writers right now that's gonna join our bullpen. You can't understand fundamentals. Yeah. That that just basically baffles me. Let's go back to Rise and Fall just as a comparison here. You know, and I'm not going to get mad about it. I'm actually going to say something good. Now, we give Tom Taylor's Rise and Fall a lot of shit because the story for me amounted to just being overly simple and it didn't even matter. It was yes. derivative. It didn't matter, but there was a standalone. Yeah. But but by the end, you're just left wondering why I read this. It didn't do anything different. It didn't do anything unique in the world of Constantine. It feels like a story we've actually read a thousand times, but just not as good. But I understood what Taylor was doing. He wasn't worried necessarily about us, the Hellblazer fans. He was more concerned with marketing it to a new audience, his audience, people who may not be Hellblazer fans, right? Yeah. I never once looked at the comic and thought this guy doesn't know dick about writing. Yes. He understood the writing conventions of scripting a comic. This is different. This feels like they handed somebody, you know, a job and said, Hey, have you written, have you ever written a comic book before? No. You want to try? Sure. (laughs) Sure. There's no understanding of writing a comic book. There were also logic issues within the narrative itself. It was repetitive. As I was saying, Zatanna numerous times, like, you know what? I'm not even going to paraphrase. This is what she did. Where am I? Where am I? Where am I? 
panel after panel. My magic doesn't work here. My magic doesn't work here. Oh, let me try again. My magic doesn't work again. My magic doesn't work here. This was the bulk of the three issues. I am not being hyperbolic here. Yeah. For three issues, she said the exact same thing. Where am I? My magic doesn't work here. And the, and the, and the whole magic doesn't work here element is the one thing that really irritated me. Because it because didn't work until it did. Yeah. And, and, and it's <laughs> You're like, like, what? It's like, okay, it doesn't work. So we're going to get a story of Zatanna having to deal with a scenario without the use of her magic. Cool. But suddenly her magic does work when it needed to, when it needed to. And I was like going, this just ruined the whole point of, I thought you were going with, which is showing us Zatanna is more than just her magic. Yeah. Which would have been cool. You know, show that, that she can figure things out without the use of her magic, especially since essentially when I looked back at the, at the three issues, I was like going, they surmounted her magic as she simply talks things backwards and it happens. And I'm like going at the end of it, I was like, that shows a lack of understanding of of the character of the character and the universe that you're in, because it's more than just a ton of talking backwards and then it happens. There's, there's so many things about the DC universe magic landscape that delve into Zatanna's use of magic that could have easily come out of the story. But you essentially at the very end, I feel like the writer was just lazy, lazy or just didn't know how to write. And then to just to compound it, the one thing that I did feel about the three issues, the artist and the writer were not on the same page. Hold on. Let's let's (laughs) I agree. It's funny. We, you and I did not talk about this off air. So the fact that you just said that shows that I'm, I'm right. That I'm not just being a little asshole here, a, no. a baby, because the fact that you said it, that's exactly what I have in my notes that you have no, that you don't even have access to. I'm like, it doesn't even seem like they were working together on this. No, because like, there's so many panels where I'm like going, I was confused. What are you trying to convey? Like earlier, you there were said blank spots. There were, there were panels that weren't even being used. And like, you, you, you earlier mentioned that they were trying to go for a psychedelic feeling. And I, I do get that, that they were trying to get this psychedelic feeling because they're in the dreamscape, but they failed so badly because it feels like the, <laughs> the writer, there was a panel, right? Where Zatanna meets one of the characters that's in the dream. Uh, her name is Sonali and Sonali ends up falling through a pit. And suddenly it cuts to another panel, but it's Zatanna falling in the pit. But then it cuts to another panel. No, it's Zanali falling into the pit. And, and then and what purpose did that serve? Exactly. And also what purpose did those characters serve? What, what, port, what was the purpose of that character? But just between the comic, uh, just between the writer and the artist, what was the notes? What was the point of the story between the writer and the artist that they were trying to convey? I, I don't know. I'm wondering if there was even a script. Maybe the artist is like, fuck, this guy didn't really write a script correctly. I guess I'm going to have to make it up. I mean, <laughs> now, David, the reason why this really irked me is because I praised the writer that did the Constantine story for Truth and Justice, Truth and Justice because of how they used the digital format. It's a challenge. You're essentially using, what, a quarter of a page to tell your story? 
it's a different medium, essentially, and your writing should reflect that. And I remember thinking that it would actually be fun as a writer to write these because it's an exercise. Yeah. I can't script how I normally script. So let me see how I can make this story work with a quarter of a page, essentially. Yeah. Not with this writer. They chose just to cut off heads and legs, which gave off the impression that some heads were floating. And this leads me to think that the script either didn't take into account the digital first format or the artist was like, fuck it. I know how to script anyways. It was bizarre. And I will say the art was okay at times. Uh, at times, David, <laughs> at times, but mostly it just felt like I was reading a sketch or I should say reviewing a sketch uh-huh. that was then colored because there wasn't even a lot of detail at times, eyeless characters, mouthless faces, basic anatomy just ignored Yes, for no reason. Now, those things are fine. In fact, I believe they do that a bit in Swamp Thing, the title that's running currently. But there's usually a stylistic reason for it. Uh, they're trying to convey a specific emotion or uh, help instill a tone. But this is just, I, I ran out of time and I didn't really <laughs> uh, have time to write. You know, fill in the blanks. Yeah, because there's missing anatomy that's just completely ignored. That's completely ignored. And the, here's the thing. I'm going to be harder on this artist more than the writer. Because, you know, the writer, I'm going to basically say that, okay, if you're a new writer on the block, fine. You don't know the fundamentals. You're just brand new. I'm hoping that basically <laughs> you get better. Because right. you're going to learn. Artist-wise... I'm going to be harder because as an artist in comics, not only do you have to actually, you know, work with the writer and understand the story, but you have to absolutely understand the style of the character. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Zatanna, this is going to sound a little chauvinistic of me. And I actually put this in the notes because I'm trying to figure out how not to sound very chauvinistic, Mm -hmm. but Zatanna is a very, sexually appealing character that's part of her character how dare you david (laughs) that's what gives her strength though that's what makes her cool because while while she's really powerful she's also really attractive that's the whole point Mm -hmm. and in this comic they drew zatanna so poorly you didn't get a chub while you're reading it. Is that, is that, <laughs> that, you, that that's what I'm trying to stay away gra- from. Is that how you grade this? <laughs> that's what I'm trying well, to stay you know from. What? That's usually, what I'm trying to stay away from. I usually get a quarter chub when I'm reading a Zatanna story, I mean, and I mean, uh, it didn't move at all. So uh, this is going to be a ninety negative ninety percent. Well, uh, an example of this, okay, example of this is in the very end of the issue, where Zatanna figures everything out. Right? Mm-hmm. She suddenly says, "I'm going to change into my clothes." And suddenly they, they they dress her up in this frumpy looking magician's outfit away from the the, the the costume that is iconic to her. So you're saying the artist is or did deter too much from yeah. or veer away, veer from, away from the character from what makes Zatanna Zatanna. Exactly. You don't think there's any room for um, creative license or progressive license i guess to make a character not necessarily rely on their curves i guess not 
Unfortunately, not in this regard when you're dealing with truth and justice. You mean you're not going to want to write Zatanna uh, with a few extra pounds on her? If you wanted to do something like that, then basically you better come out with a story that makes sense for it. Listen, I, I'm, I'm not giving you shit. I'm actually trying to flesh out your thought a bit because I don't disagree. Yes, it does come off as a little... Uh, <laughs> chauvinistic, and that's why I put in my notes. I'm not going... Let's try not to sound chauvinistic, but this is going to be tough. <laughs> but, but I do agree when you have a character that is considered DC's bombshells, mm-hmm. that, that is literally how she's been branded as DC's bombshells. And you then make her frumply and just kind of unappealing to the eye. Then, yeah, you're not really writing the character faithfully. Yeah, you're you, not understanding you, that character. You're not. And this isn't the same argument that people have made with Tomb Raider, where uh, the movies have a woman who's not <laughs> as, I, I, her chest size isn't as big as the, the video, game. video game. Which, listen, understandably, the video game's insane. It's ridiculous. Let's be, let's be clear here. It's 8-bit, like, D-cups or E-cups, you know? I used to back into the corner, remember? You used to say that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so stupid. But, you do, I am backing you up. I, I, you have a point, you agree. It's no different than creating a Superman story and let's just make it, uh, let's, uh, equality, David, in equality. our, in our, um, in our comparisons here. But also it's um, kind of, it's like making Superman fat. Like, well, why? Well, because I, I thought you were, people are objectifying men too much and you can see his uh, VDO, his visible dick outline all the time <laughs> in his pants and you could see his, his delicious pecs and his giant biceps and his ass muscles. Eh, I figured that's uh, wrong and uh, you're objectifying men. Yeah, but then that's not super. That's man. not Superman. You're making fat man. <laughs> And and also just because like also the artist lacks the detail in all of her characters. Yeah. It's so weird because like even at the at the It doesn't seem like there's a reason for it either, does it? No, there's no reason for it. It's like they were running out of time because the deadline to turn this just comic, like what you said. Yeah. yeah. They they were rushing along. And the thing that irritated me, I could understand if you did the if the artist was like this completely throughout the entire series. Right. Or the entire three issues. Mm-hmm. Okay, it seems like it's a rush job. But then, you know, there's points when you can see that the artist is trying to get detail. And it, it's only like in few moments of like real close ups of the characters. But then it just like it's it it turns into scribbles yeah. like no, facial hair turns into instead of stubble. It's just little scribbles all over the face. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, if you're going to want to do it like this, do it for your story. Yeah. No, I don't disagree. And bringing us back to the, 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 the objectification of Zatanna for one more second, Dave. If the story was very well written and the art was great, we probably wouldn't even bring that up. But because it's just one fail on top of another... We bring it up. It's death by a thousand cuts. Yeah. So just to kind of round out this discussion, it, the entire comic was just functionally off in almost every aspect. Yeah. And I'm gravitating more to the writing than the art. But I mean, you had mentioned this a few moments ago. Zatanna can't use her magic, but then suddenly she can. She can. 
that was one of the biggest eye rolling moments of the entire thing because she realizes it's all an illusion. Well, that's what a fucking dream is. <laughs> but that's the justification why she can suddenly yes. use her magic. Oh, it's just an illusion. Well, that's what a fucking dream is. And also the fact of errors earlier, you basically brought up the fact that she's inside of the Dr. Destiny's dream. No, she's not. No, it turns out that she's died. Remember, it's um, she thought she was in Dr. Destiny's yes. dream, but she finds out that they're in some random dreamscape. <laughs> Neither Dr. Destiny's or hers, which I'm assuming justifies why there's random people popping up, I guess. And again, that one. Yeah. Because just, not, none of the people she runs into has any meaning any in the story. Meaning. Yeah. There is no point. So I, I'm more from the movie side of things. I feel like most of our listeners probably understand that now when it comes to the writing and editing and first draft, second draft. So I will, I'm going to have to lean on your knowledge here, Dave, but do comic book publishing companies like DC have an editing process like first draft, second draft, et cetera? They or do, do they just say, fuck it, send this out to print? No, they do. They do have an editor. So what the fuck happened? Because this is so poor. Unfortunately, I've actually heard this, heard this reasoning and it, it, it deals with the comic book industry in total that for all the editors out there that they have on staff, Unfortunately, when you're inundated with multiple issues constantly, certain things fall through the cracks. Like an editor will basically just, sometimes they'll just, after looking at, at, at a comic for a week, suddenly they have another comic and it's kind of like, okay, let's just pass this along. It's almost at the end. Let them finish it up. And that's what it feels like with, with this, because I was like going, D, this was the final couple issues of Truth and Justice, the final volume. Yeah, and I think these were the final chapters. I I honestly what a feel, way to wrap it up. Yeah, I honestly feel that the editor was probably bombarded with so many other titles <laughs> that they were like going, you know what, Truth and Justice is going to be finishing up. Just let them have it. Let them finish it. Get it off the table. Let's make space for Batman. Uh, <laughs> listen, I have way, way too many Batman titles I have to proofread. So uh, let's just uh, say we did for this one. See, we did. And I've, I've heard rumors that basically that some editors in the big two and uh, even in some of the. I would never do that. If I was that. The, in charge of that job, I would fucking I would have shit all over this one. We're not fucking printing this. I don't care what contract <laughs> we have with you. Go back and rewrite it because this feels like a first fucking draft. And that's why, that's why if you think about it, you, you'd be the terror of the editor. Oh, because would. You would just bust into the I, office. What the fuck is this? I would be the, the, the Ari gold of comic book publishing. I'd go in there with a Nerf gun and start shooting people. You're fired. Boom. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> All right, Dave, let's get into our final thoughts. I, I feel like it's, pretty clear what our thoughts are but yeah, you know so it's part of the show it's part of our show's template so we should probably just delve into it uh, let me start things off dave okay now before i share my rmd score i feel like it's important to remind people <laughs> how our rating system works yes. here on the network okay, okay. 
and I don't know if I've ever actually reviewed this on this show, but typically how it goes across the board is 91 to 100% is kick-ass. It's near universal acclaim. It just, it's great on all levels. 71 to 90% is hell yeah. Thumbs up. It's generally good. It's not perfect, but it, it was a good experience. 41 to 70% is, it's, it's okay. Um, sideways, kind of like in Gladiator. It isn't great. There are some likable aspects, but overall, it's, it's just kind of mediocre. One to 40% is get fisted. It's like, <laughs> fuck off. Did you even uh, put any effort into this? It's awful. I never want to read this, and I feel like I should send demons after the writer or director that uh, put this together. <laughs> <laughs> Now, the reason why I set the table this way is because I'm giving this a 40%. Oh, really? Yes. And the only reason why I'm giving it a 40% and not a 20 (laughs) is because I actually really dig the cover art. I like the cover art. (laughs) So the cover art saved it. The cover art took it from a 20 to 40, but it really doesn't matter because it's still in the get fisted category. It's just, I hate to be mean because I, I know writing's hard. Yes. I'm not going to sit here and pretend writing's easy because it's not. It's, it's one of the most difficult elements in almost any medium. Television, movies, people think writing's easy. It is not. It's writing not. is very difficult. And in my opinion, writers don't get paid enough. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But this comic is fucking awful. And I feel like a meanie Bobini right now, David, but I, <laughs> I have to be honest. It's really bad. Oh, yeah. I, I almost want to get my $3 back. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Go ahead, Dave. Well, thoughts. I have no qualms because oh. I've read comics all my life and I can see a shit storm when I see a shit storm <laughs> when it comes to comics. And originally I was like you, I don't want to be mean because this is at the end of the day, this writer and artist, this was their first at bat. They struck out, <laughs> but the it artist was their, has been around for a while, but, but still, this is the basically kind of like a new team that they tr- yes, tried to put yeah, together. Yeah. And I wanted to be nice and, you know, give them a 52, but then I started really thinking about it mm-hmm. and basically saying that I cannot, I cannot honestly say that. I can't give it a 52. I'm giving this a 25. It's, uh, it's absolute horseshit. <laughs> wow. And you're because, using a nice one. Uh, and because here's the thing. You had the potential. I saw the potential of what they were trying to get at. But they ran right through it and just took lazy writing. And that's unforgivable for me, especially if you're trying to push a a character onto an audience and try to say, hey, we want more stories about these guys. That's a good point, Dave. That That's that's another thing that makes it so disappointing is that this is a fairly decent concept and you're using Zatanna and Dr. Destiny. Yeah. How can you fuck that up? How can you mess that up? Your job was to ma- basically make the reader want to make read more stories about Zatanna and Dr. Destiny. You failed. <laughs> Without a doubt. And I wanted to stop reading after that first issue. 
but I remember that Truth and Justice was uh, the John Constantine three chapter story arc. Yeah. The first issue was okay. And it wasn't until the second and third issue where everything just came together. Well, the problem with this problem, one, the, it never, never came, came together. Well, yeah. it didn't even actually set up because just like what you said, how does it start? Zatanna constantly saying, where, where am, am I? I? Where am I? My magic doesn't work. That's it. That was the entire first issue. That was maybe 60% of the second issue and possibly 30% of the third issue. And, and then you're trying to deal with cool concepts like the dreamscape and showing that other people are in the dreamscape, much like in Sandman. A plus to you because it seems like you you've read comics so you do understand the universe that you're trying to delve into. But there's no context. There's no context. You're relying on a 20 plus year old story as context and mm-hmm. that's just you're assuming too much. And and did you at the end of the day did you make the characters interesting at all? No. I mean, like, if you look at Zatanna in, as she's portrayed in these three issues. You didn't even make my dick hard with Zatanna. Well, What's here's the deal the with that? If, huh? if I were to actually show this to a Zatanna fan. Oh, they wouldn't like it either. Well, well would we they are even, Zatanna fans. Would they even recognize the character? No, The character's unrecognizable in this one. Yeah. Because there's no wit. There's no sarcasm. There's no you know, personality that they could have given the character. There's no resemblance. Resemblance to her. Yeah. No, I agree, Dave. So, sorry, you got a 25. So, (laughs) are you more about the Satana from Batman Damned, that type of look? I'm trying to remember. He was so hot. Oh, yeah. I I hate to call comic book characters hot but she was pretty steamy but see that was done that was done specifically for that story yeah that's why it made it great yeah because that rendition of her fit the story that she was being told in yeah all right well without wanting to get any more into creepy territory we should probably end today's discussion i want to thank everyone for listening hopefully we didn't piss off too many people out there I have a feeling that the bulk of our listeners pretty much get it. Probably already knew we were going to talk about it like this. I think some of our listeners also like like it also when me and you run into something that we just... No, they, they like the anger. The anger. Yeah. They they like the anger. They also like seeing the fact that we are objective. You know, We try to be. We try yeah. to be objective. And there was really nothing to be objective about when it comes to this. Uh, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> it veered into a very emotional territory for some of us because objectively it sucked. Objectively it sucked. And we crossed paths. Yeah. And you essentially could have basically put the character on hiatus even more because people are going to look at this and go, why would you want to see a Zatanna comic? Uh, yeah. That's true. We haven't been given a Zatanna eccentric comic in such a long time. Yep. And this is what we were given. It was very disappointing. Very disappointing. All right. So it's time to bring our show to an end. I want to thank everyone for listening. Also, please find us on iTunes. We do need those ratings. Give us a five-star rating. Just a little click. If you don't have time to give us a review, a rating will suffice. Just click. And it helps our show get seen by more eyes because it triggers algorithms. It's a key to any success. When it comes to podcasting, it needs to be done so we 
Greatly appreciate it. Also, remember to find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Digital. When you pledge just $1 or more a month, you will gain access to our Oblivion Bar discussions, which are basically a pre-show to this discussions. I should say these discussions on the House of Mystery, where we kind of shoot the shit and we banter about uh, rando topics pertaining to the world of Constantine and the darker side of DC. So patreon.com slash Rayman Digital Pledge. Thank you. Thank you, David. Thank you. My name is John Constantine. I'm the one who steps from the shadows, all trench coat and arrogance. I'll drive your demons away, kick them in the bollocks and spit on them when they're down, leaving only a nod and a wink and a wisecrack. I'll walk my path alone, because let's be honest... Who'd be crazy enough to walk it with me?